0: One of them, it has to do with our own expectations for our kids.
1: Hmm.
0: We have a really curious, most of us have a really curious mix of healthy expectations and completely unhealthy expectations. I remember that well. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Welcome back to Adventure Parenting with Grace. I am Lori Donahue, and this is the Gospel Parenting Podcast, where we will walk with you through the joys of parenting and the most painful challenges so you can rise with courage, practical strategies, and hope to parent with purpose. Lauren Amaro is with us today. We caught her on summer break as she's a professor at Pepperdine University, where she teaches communication courses in family dynamics, conflict, and interpersonal communication, to name a few. She brings a wonderful mix of research and experience in topics that hit close to home, both her home and I'm guessing yours. She brings a blend of knowledge, spiritual insight, and parenting strategy that is unique. I would like to gratefully welcome her to Adventure Parenting with Grace podcast. Let's listen now. So we're here today with Lauren Amaro, and I'm really excited to be here with her today. She brings some really great perspectives. She not only has experience, she has really studied the family dynamics very, very closely closely. So Lauren, welcome to Adventure Parenting with Grace.
0: Thank you so much, Laurie. It's a joy to be here.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a joy to have you. I know you're a busy mom. You have two busy kids, and you've got a lot of professional things going on. So I am grateful that you took time out of your busy day to be with us. So thank you for that. So would you be willing to tell us a little bit about your family and how you came
0: to study Family Dynamics? Sure, yeah. Um, So I am married to Carlos. We've been married for 13, coming up to 14 years. We have two kids, Caleb, who's nine, and Naomi, who is six. And um, Carlos and I both come from families that have uh, addiction histories. And so we have uh, that, that particular issue is what really got me into studying uh, family. So I first started studying communication in undergrad uh, when I was at Westmount college and was just fascinated by people. I've always loved people. I'm super extroverted. I love gathering. I love being with people. And I really was fascinated by why people function the way that they do. Why do we get so angry? What do we do when we get angry? How do we heal conflict? What, what other emotions are driving our decisions and our behaviors and our responses to one another in all kinds of contexts? So I started getting fascinated by that, you know, just as a college student and then um I found my, my gifting as a student. Um, so I proceeded into academia a couple of years after undergrad and stayed and went through my master's and my PhD um, following communication lines. So I started studying family during my PhD program. So I got into interpersonal communication, family dynamics, uh, family communication, and then ultimately how that affects our health. So how we talk as a family, how we communicate about the issues that we deal with affects mental health. It affects our physical health. It affects things like addiction. It is kind of all encompassing and sometimes overwhelming to think about the ways that um, our communication dynamics can change our literal bodies and our daily lives. So I got into that. I love it. It's an endless source of inspiration and topics. The well is
1: really deep. And That's it's because we as humans, I think, are really deep and have so much going on and hard to put it all in into one bucket. So I know you, and I know that you're a good parent. You are a loving parent. You have uh, wonderful children. And I also know that all of us have things in our lives that make parenting difficult none of us is the perfect parent so what is hard for you parenting what do you think is your biggest struggle in parenting
0: Mm. you know mine's kind of this sort of cascade effect Um, for me I think the heart the root of it comes down to control Is it not being able to control my children and specifically to not be able to fix their problems? And what happens from there when I can't do that is I tend to get angry. Mm -hmm. And from that anger, um, I then immediately go into feelings of shame, like good moms don't get angry which of course is garbage right like all moms get angry at some point but that last piece there that other women good moms that's a that's comparison so for me there's this there's this constant trickle down of like i struggle with control i get angry and then i immediately compare myself to what i quote unquote should be um, according to other women, not according to, say, God's standard, but right. according to other people. Yeah. And that is this constant loop in my head that I'm having to battle with scripture all the time. But to kind of go back up to that first thing of control, not being able to fix my kids has been really hard for me. Um, my son, very young, had a severe eczema when he was just a baby. And we battled that so hard. And I remember staying up at night, just crying and weeping in anger and frustration that I couldn't cure him. Mm. And so every interaction I had with him for a while, for a season... Was attempting to be to to cure him. It was medical. It was like I was his nurse and not his mother. So every time you know he would wake up from a nap, I would have to. Okay, we're changing the diaper now. It's time to put the medication on. Now it's time to put the lotion on. And there was just this in my soul this this angst of not being able to fix the world for him, fix the fallenness of the world to make his way easy. Oh, yeah.
1: I totally get that. I think that's pretty uniform, actually, and we all suffer to different degrees, but I think all parents, comp- well, first of all, compare to others, and it can be very um, very frustrating and very hard yeah. to feel that you're not living up to a certain standard that the world provides.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's go back to the beginning at when we first have our little baby there and he or she is an infant and they are very very dependent as infants and then our goals are to bring them to adulthood and everybody sort of sees this differently what are what have been your goals to bring your kids along the way to adulthood what what do you see as the important things that you train them to be or think or do
0: You know, um, I mean, the first, the first baseline thing here is to be a functional adult. (laughs) We want them to be contributing to society. We want them to be, you know, able to hold a job. We need them to get through school, to be highly literate. Mm. These are basic things that actually consume a lot of our day and our time and our energy. And they're worthy. Those are, those are, Good things that I think sometimes we can just kind of skim over and be like, oh, you know, that's just going to happen. Um, but it doesn't just happen, especially not for all children. So I do think there's that baseline. And then, of course, there's this this upper level that's really our true goal. And that's, that's spiritual maturity. And I, I think as I was thinking about that, Micah 6-8 is what I really would boil down mm-hmm. the Christian goals to. Mm-hmm. And that's to do justice to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. And that's not like, there's so much in that to do justice. I need my kids to understand um, that they were born into a place of privilege and that they have an opportunity to do justice in every act that they consider. Mm-hmm. Um, for them to love mercy, to to want to help people not experience the pain that they perhaps deserve or to not experience the punishment that they deserve, to love that and delight in that as a, as coming from the Lord. And then to walk humbly. I want them to have spiritual practices mm-hmm. um, that are humble. I want them to wake up and be in the word first thing in the morning. I want them to be in a church community through their entire lives. I want them to be meditating on the word of the Lord for every decision that they make. Those are all It's funny, you know, I, I split basic functioning adult and spiritual maturity into two dimensions, but they're, they're baked in together, aren't they? They are. Right. So if you're doing well in school, are you not also walking humbly? Mm-hmm. Right? If in order to learn, you have to have a posture, children, adults have to have a posture of humility to know that they don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need that to do well in school. You need that to be an effective worker on a job. You have to love justice if you're going to be a good neighbor in your community, et cetera, et cetera. They are they are one and the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we train them simultaneously.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's really good. What do you think the factors are that prevent our kids from achieving those goals? What gets in the way of their progressing? Obviously, sin would be one. Mm -hmm. But what specifically gets in the way of achieving that progression for our kids?
0: I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, They're different for each child. I think broadly, one of them has to do with our own expectations for our kids. Hmm. We have a really curious, most of us have a really curious mix of healthy expectations and completely unhealthy expectations. I remember that well. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, a good expectation would be um, for our child to be contributing, to be learning that they have purpose in the home, to be doing chores, to be helping out. But an unfair expectation is that moment when my child is frustrated and I expect them to act like an adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I and I don't give them the resources that they need to learn in order to handle it well Um, so I do think some of that is just you know in some cases our own lack of maturity when we when we haven't allowed God to heal certain parts of us or haven't allowed him to move us further forward we can't parent our kids toward the end that we want if we don't have it ourselves
1: such a good point Yeah, such a good point.
0: You know, I think that's part of it. I think one of the things for me that that shows up in our house is I still struggle a lot, as I said before, with comparison. um, But I also like part of that is shame. So shame would be when we take on our sin or failures or flaws as our identity rather than just an action. And so often that comes through looking like, you're feeling like I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Of a, I'm not a good enough mother. I'm not a wise enough person. I'm not this. Or sometimes it comes across as I'm too much. I'm too much for people to handle. I have too many opinions. I'm too outspoken and this, 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 and this. And we can often parent from that place where we feel shame ourselves. And then we, we put it onto our children as well. So sometimes we make our kids a report card, and their actions reflect on who we are and how we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that blocks not just our maturity, but theirs. A- another factor that I would consider in watching children progress toward maturity is, is physical. It's, it's the things that happen in their actual bodies. Mm. Both of my children have recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And that means that they have a developmental delay that makes certain skills harder for them. So we would call those executive functioning skills and it's things like being able to clean up a room. It's things like remembering homework. It's things like being able to sequence the morning activities to be able to get out the door. Mm -hmm. These are things that All children have to acquire and they take time. Mm -hmm. ADHD delays children by about two years. So it doesn't mean that they won't acquire those skills. It means Mm -hmm. it's going to take them a little bit more time, Mm -hmm. but I can still hold them to the same standards of maturity. Mm -hmm. I have to help them a little bit more to gain those resources and skills Mm -hmm. than a neurotypical child might. Of course, they also have these wonderful assets from that same condition that can actually promote maturity. Mm-hmm. And one of them is that, and I'll just use my son as an example here. He is extremely driven by having tasks and jobs. Mm-hmm. There's times when he's like, oh, I don't want to do anything, like all children. But when we push him to rise through that, he absolutely thrives and he's extremely productive and he's very focused and energetically contributing and loving it. And it is a way that he can love other people. And he's learning that maybe even earlier than his peers, because his brain is particularly designed to respond to um, projects. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fascinating. So yes, I mean, they have this physical neurochemical delay, Mm -hmm. but that same thing can be used to advance their maturity. Mm-hmm. And I have been fascinated to watch that. It's also a tension that we're constantly having to kind of hold in check.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. Does he like lists?
0: Yes. Yeah. Okay. He loves it. My daughter does not. Okay. <laughs> so- he
1: loves to it. see not Mark to check off what he's accomplished. That's really good. Yeah. I think that's such a point, whether they're ADHD or any child, they all progress at different stages mm-hmm. and different rates, no, in all different areas. So that's where comparison is so difficult because no two children are alike, no two parents are alike. So when we compare, we're comparing apples and oranges and it's not productive. It's It's just, it's, yeah. These differences can play out really differently in our kids as far as their behavior, because all kids are different. So, so how do you see that playing out in their progressing toward maturity?
0: Yeah, you know, I mentioned those parental expectations. Um, One of the things that's really fascinating to me in our culture is that we are delaying adulthood for kids. Uh, And I, I watch this all the time because I work with college students who are legally adults, but by social measures and really behavioral measures, they are, at least in the early couple of years of college, they are still functioning like children. And then they move into Uh, emerging adulthood really kind of in the last couple of years of college, that of course is not historically the case. And what I'm really fascinated by is, is how we can teach our kids to have more purpose. In our house, what that looks like is we need to be moving. So when my kids aren't moving in some way, shape, or form, they tend to struggle with behaviors. So by moving, I don't necessarily mean that we plan every minute of our day and they don't have downtime. What I mean is that they need structure. So we need jobs and we need joy in our house. We need work and we need play in order to for my kids to be able to stay calm and balanced. And when that isn't in place, then there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of destructive tendencies at times. There's fighting, so much bickering between two kids who get overstimulated very quickly. Um, And and more importantly than any of those, I think there's power struggles. So when Mm -hmm. I don't set forth that structure for them Mm -hmm. to call them into purpose, Mm -hmm. then I don't say, okay, hey, it's summertime. And summertime means that we all work around the house to make sure that it's running well and we're able to do things that maybe we can't do during the school year. If I don't say, "Okay, we wake up in the morning, we have our breakfast, and then we have chore time. And chore time goes from nine to ten or however long. And after that, we go and do some fun activities. and then we come home in the afternoon and we're gonna pick up again. and we're gonna if I don't create that kind of rhythm and routine for them, in order to call them into purpose, in order to call them into that responsibility that helps to shape adulthood and maturity, then they just kind of spin off in their own direction. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is, is, they're more prone toward that because of ADHD, but that's true for all children.
1: Yes, it is. And
0: I think with these kids in our culture, and I, I would say this because this was how I was raised, I wasn't called into purpose. Mm-hmm. When I was bored, during summers, which I think is a healthy state for all children, my mom would just kind of say, well, go read a book, you know, find something to do with yourself. And I don't think I started doing any meaningful chores around our house until I was in late high school. Mm -hmm. My mom always just did it for us. And she did more for me than I needed her to do. And, and it was coming from a place of love. And in some respects, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I also think it, it did me a disservice to not learn to um, have a place in my household, mm-hmm. which would have helped me with maturity. It would have helped me with considering other people. It would have helped me with a lot of things that um, I didn't learn until a little bit later in life.
1: Yeah, I relate to that very well. And I think sometimes uh, parents will do things for their kids because they want it done right. right. And then the kids don't learn how to do it. They learned a couple messages, they learn that it has to be done right, or it's not Mm -hmm. worth doing. Mm -hmm. And they learn that they can't, they can't do it as well as mom, so they don't get the practice of
0: trying to fail. Yeah. They're not good enough. It's a place where shame can grow, but Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. And that comes back to that idea of control, right? If we want to be in charge of everything and we want, you know, the dishes to be put away exactly right Mm -hmm. well then we're also adding a lot of work to our schedule which (laughs) i am just not about (laughs) me neither
1: i that's true but that's kind of how i did things with my kids too much looking back now i did too much i it was just easier for me to do the cooking or easier for me to do this rather than help them learn to do it right but that wasn't good for them yeah yeah interesting thank you so we're going to stop here isn't this fabulous We're going to finish Lauren's interview next week, so be sure to look for that. And I have to say I was moved by a lot in this interview. Thank you, Lauren. Comparison is a topic which I have thought about for years. She talked about moms comparing themselves to other moms, but our kids also struggle with comparing themselves to other kids. Siblings compare themselves to one another. A few years ago, I wrote a kid's picture book on this topic. We're all unique and each have our own God-given purpose. When our kids compare themselves to others, they miss that purpose. They may become immobilized by their fear of not measuring up. I'm offering our listeners this book for 50% off if you're interested. I'll leave that link in the show notes below. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast so you won't miss next week. And remember to rest in the Lord this week.